This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome everyone to another episode of Reimagine Law. Today's episode is about real estate law. We're going to explore areas such as what real estate law really is, what a typical day in the life looks like, and what a career path might look like. I'm delighted to be joined today by three representatives of CMS, one of our proud sponsors. Cheryl Gurnham is a partner in the real estate team whose work is split between investment, development and asset management. Welcome, Cheryl. Hi. And Amit Unakat is also a partner in the real estate team. Um, he focuses on big ticket investment deals, real estate M&A and funding structures. Hi, Amit. Nice to see you. Hi there. Nice to see you as well. And lastly, but certainly not least, we've got um, Sophia Yerokina. She is a newly qualified solicitor in the firm's real estate practice. Hi there, Sophia. Hi, everyone. Um, and thanks ever so much for joining us. Um, it's, it's great to have all three of you. I appreciate your time. And I'm personally looking forward to finding out a lot more about real estate today, and particularly what it means in a law firm context. Um, I suppose you can start us off, please. Um, just what, what does it actually mean? What kind of, what does it cover within um, a firm like CMS? Yeah, sure. So, so I think just to bring this to life, it's probably worth just talking through the, the different kind of clients we might act for. So it could be an occupier of property. So someone who uses a property for its own business, whether or, 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 or living in um, where we may help someone acquire the property um, or lease it or do works to the property or generally manage it. It could be a property investor who essentially is buying property for the purpose of the lease income that, that it generates. So there the the sort of services that we would advise on would involve buying the property, raising finance for that acquisition, um, and then just generally helping them lease or manage the property while they own it. Um, and ultimately, they may they may or may not sell it. Um, probably on the most complicated end um, is where we help property developers where we probably advise on sort of more, you know, most of the different aspects. So there, um, you know, we may help them buy in funding in the same way that we would for an investor. We could help them get planning for the development that they want to construct, the construction contracts, um, getting any consents from local authorities or neighbours, many, many more things. So, so I guess these are the typical things we would do for our clients and and you know as these deals become more complicated or larger you know you will need um real estate lawyers like cheryl sophia and myself but you'd also need people from uh, other disciplines as well I see. Um, yeah. so that would include construction lawyers planning lawyers um banking corporate um, a range of other disciplines tax as well tax is mm. um, really important on pretty much every type of transactions. So, so I guess most big law firms who have who hold themselves out as having credible real estate practices will have real estate lawyers, but they'll also have property, uh, they'll also have um, lawyers from the sort of disciplines that I mentioned. Um, and, you know, the types of work we do can be, you know, really small, you know, we can do sort of, you know, very small lettings, uh, could be pro bono leases to, to charities to, to very large lettings to big office occupiers or retail 
retail tenants, department stores. And, you know, a lot of what we do, we, we like to think we're, uh, you know, as well as obviously helping um, investors and developers generate profits, I guess there's a you know, community aspect right. to it. You know, one of the reasons we all love real estate is is that it's everywhere and we kind of live, live and work and yeah, they enjoy. Exactly. So I guess, you know, development in particular, we, you know, we feel we're sort of bringing forward communities and towns and cities um, and, and, and helping them prosper. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a sort of social um, benefit, which we all, we, which you all enjoy. I know Cheryl's got sort of thoughts on ESG side as well. I might, might get your thoughts on the Cheryl as well. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great, Cheryl. Yeah, so um, particularly these days, a lot of our clients are really interested in ESG. And for those of you who don't know what ESG stands for, it's one of those things that uh, once you've heard it, you'll just keep hearing it all the time. Um, And it sounds for environmental, social and governance. And those are sort of the underlying principles that uh, you know some people some people might call it responsible investing or um you know it's sort of not just pure capitalism at the heart of what we do. Yes, of course, the primary um role of a lot of businesses is to make money and to do well for its shareholders or to to do well for its the people who own it or or whatever um but at the same time it's it's other social purpose as well. So first of all, these days, if you're going to be investing in in property and you want to have a long-term investment, you want to be here in, say, 20 years' time, then you've got to be thinking about environmental impact um, because um, we've got to be ready for climate change. We've got to uh, do what we can. And a lot of, lot of businesses are thinking about that now. Um, so that's on the environmental side. On the social side, this has really been um, impacted a lot from the pandemic with a lot of businesses realising that actually what they do really does have an impact on people and how they how they succeed and thrive. Um, and actually buildings do impact on people's well-being. If you mm-hmm. think if you if you lived in a you know, one bedroom flat, perhaps during the pandemic, you would possibly didn't have quite as a good time uh, during the pandemic as people living in lovely houses with uh, with big gardens and things. And that's just an example of how buildings can can impact on on the sort of social side. And then governance is really about sort of knowing your supply chains, knowing having your own policies around good investment practices and, and that sort of thing and ESG really is becoming a hot topic so if anyone's mm-hmm. interested in real estate generally I think it's it's knowing ESG is, is also a, a good thing as well. Absolutely and I, I know our listeners um, are very very passionate about this particular topic. Um, ESG is, is one of the kind of key key criteria they tend to look at when they're when they're assessing you know the types of organizations that they might decide to apply too so um that's really useful to have that that very brief overview because obviously it's a very complex world um you i know you do quite a lot cheryl in 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 this world of esg and you hold um you know a different role as well outside of cms can you tell us very briefly a little bit about that and how that kind of dovetails of what you do 
So I sit on a few committees, external committees, looking at um, what's generally referred to as green lease drafting. Um, so I sit on the Green Finance Institute's Coalition for the Energy Efficiency in Buildings and a working group that's particularly looking at a uh, what's referred to as a warm rent uh, agreement. So an AST that you would have uh, an assured shorthold tenancy that you would have if you were occupying you know, your flat at you know, university or whatever. But it would have an all inclusive um, rent, uh, which which includes the energy, but then allows the landlord to carry out energy efficiency improvements, um, but still charge the same in terms of the rent so that therefore it gets some of that sort of capital cost um, back from the tenant, essentially by charging a higher rent, but doing it in a way that's a little bit more transparent. Um, then there's a, um, I also sit on the Better Building Partnerships um, Green Lease Toolkit uh, Steering Committee, I think we might be calling ourselves. So well, the Green Lease <laughs> Toolkit was something that was prepared a long time ago, about 12 years ago, and it's it's due for an update and uh, so that's uh, that's being worked on at the moment but it's it's something really that uh, the industry realizes it has to face um but i often say at the end of the day not to do myself out of a job um it's much more about behaviors between landlord and tenant that's more important in terms of achieving sustainable goals rather than what a document says um but then if, if i say that too often i probably will do myself out of a job <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess also the, the the crossover with what you do um at cms is that i'm assuming you you can bring that knowledge and that network in to advise clients as well um on the esg matters yeah I think a lot of clients are very interested in esg um a lot of them need to have their own reporting requirements um so that they will um have to report uh, either either sort of to the market generally or to for particular accreditations and things how many leases contain green lease drafting or some sort of sustainability requirements you're less likely to see um drafting that covers um the social side um but you know green lease drafting something in a lease about sustainability is is very common these days and um, a lot of people want to know how far they should go with that drafting um and a lot of tenants or customers as our clients call them mostly nowadays are actually asking for that so it's it's to help our clients be at the forefront of what is expected really thank you um i'm, I'm also really interested in how you all came to find yourselves um doing the career you're you're doing so you know what what attracted you in the first place to real estate um as a discipline within within the law um and um you know it, it's not necessarily um the most popular topics at university if someone's studying law um, or even even at law school so how does it really differ from practice? Because I'm assuming it, it, it must differ to a certain extent based on the fact that plenty of there are plenty of real estate lawyers that seem to love what they do. So, um, Cheryl, maybe you can start us off, and then we can we can bring in Sophia. I'm not going to lie. At university, I'm afraid to say that property law was dull as dishwater. It was 
awful. It was so sort of all, you know, black acre and white acre or whatever it was and some easement that goes across and got confused as to what an earth and easement was and what a covenant was. And it was it was very dull. I'm, I'm not going to lie. And it was not my best topic at university. And um, I must say, I didn't really get property until I came on a vacation placement at um, Nabara Nathanson, as the firm was then. And um, I saw uh, that we were, as a firm, acting on the redevelopment of uh, Bristol uh, Town Centre, which is where I was, um, City Centre, I should say, which is where I was at university. And I saw this, um, you know, and I was really quite excited. I thought, that's that's exciting. I didn't know that they were going to demolish that. That's going to be re- really quite exciting to, to look at. And then when I went back to Bristol, I uh, saw a big model in the shopping centre one day when I was down doing my uh, when I was going to TK Maxx or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, and I saw this lovely massive model of what they were proposing, and I was just really interested in the idea of redevelopment. And and um, I think this the, the tangibility, the physical nature of of real estate is what's really quite exciting. And I was one of the first people to see one of the designs uh, for the walkie-talkie, twenty Fenchurch Street. I worked on it as a as an NQ. And uh, fantastic project to 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 work in, but um, I was a little bit surprised when I saw the design of what was what was being proposed. I thought, oh, okay, interesting. Um, it's, it's a great building. I pass it every day, and really love the fact that I had something to do with it. But I see myself a little bit like my grandfather. My grandfather was a builder for the council, for local council. That like, was an odd job builder. He wasn't like a grand master builder or anything. Just an odd job man. Um, and uh, you know, we'll go past a leisure centre or a car park and he'd say, that's my wall, that is. That's a yeah. fine wall, that is. And I am just the same. I literally walked out, walked through London and I'd point at buildings and say, oh, that's one of mine. And I absolutely love it. And I think that's a, something that attracts a lot of people into real estate. Oh, fantastic. And Sophia, did, does that resonate with you? Or what, what's your sort of journey? Um, yes, exactly what Cheryl has said. I think at university and LPC, um, land law or real estate law is not exactly the most exciting um, subject to study, but actually it differs um, in practice completely. And as part of my training contract, I try to stay um, quite open-minded. So at CMS, we do four seat rotations and you have the option of doing a seat in m- many different departments. And on a friend's recommendation, I decided to um, try real estate and like I say, it was so different to what I imagined it would be. Um, for starters, there's so much client contact, I think, compared to other teams where I sat. Um, I'm on calls constantly with clients in my daily job and negotiating whether it is licenses for works, for example, um, or leases for both office and retail work. Um, you feel a high level of responsibility as well because you really see through your matters from the start um, to completion. And like Cheryl mentioned, I think tangibility is definitely an aspect that drew me um, to that. As trainees and as an NQ, um, I had an opportunity to do many site visits and to see what you've been working on um, in real life, I think definitely is is a highlight. Um, So yes, echoing exactly what um, Cheryl has been saying. Fantastic, thanks. And Amit, did you did you have a, a, a different story to tell, or is it you know were, were you someone that such passionate about landlord at university? 
No, very, very, very similar. I think actually, if you did a straw poll within our team, I'm, I'm sure the experiences would be very similar to all of ours. You know, it's not a seat that I, I chose, but just really enjoyed it for all the reasons that Cheryl and Sophia have mentioned. You know, it's probably one area where the sort of the polarization between the theory and the practice is, is largest. Um, but also, you know, in the last in the last sort of 10, 20 years or so, the, the industry has changed. It's become a bit more complex. It's a bit more intertwined with the, you know, the financial private equity world in particular, who, you know, we've seen a lot of, um, you know, the bigger deals tend to be uh, transacted through corporate vehicles. So, um, and financing structures have become more complicated. So I guess, you know, you can do real estate, but also combine that with the sort of things that attracted you to the big city law firm yeah. um, as well, albeit, you know, you're occupying a bit of a niche, um, which is is enjoyable, but also quite helpful in your career. Mm. And I guess you're working, um, you know, across disciplines and, and you're collaborating with, with um, colleagues from other parts of the firm as well um, as part of one big transaction. That's a great, that's a great point. Um, and, and often the real estate lawyer will, be the point of contact in the similar way that a corporate lawyer would be on a on an M and A deal or a corporate finance deal. You know, pulling together all the different disciplines um, and and you know, leading, driving a transaction um, almost as a sort of project manager. So there is a, a real diversity in the role beyond that sort of dry uh, statute that we 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 all uh, recall from law school. Yeah, brilliant. And so, I mean, just tell me what what is a what does it take to be a good real estate lawyer? Um, yeah, are there particular particular skills, mindsets? How would you describe, a, you know, what a good real estate lawyer would look like? Yeah, so we, look, we've talked about the, the technical stuff we learned in law school. You know, while, while you know it's not all that, you know, it, it is important to to have those things etched in your mind. You know, they, they typically on autopilot. Um, you know, once you actually dive into the practice um so but so i think the technical i think having a good mastery of the technical principles is important but but what goes hand in hand with that is being able to you know, be commercial uh, pragmatic um you know applying those technical concepts into practice you know whether it's you know you know in an actual property context and 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 for that reason site visits are really helpful to just again Put some color to the the theory that you see, um, you know, on a land registry mm. document or a contract. Um, you know, also, I mean, there's other things like negotiation as well. You know, those are sort of other soft skills. You know, drafting, um, really, really important soft skills. So, I think it's really just marrying up that technical and the commercial. Um, I think being a good communicator is really important, whether that's you know, communicating with with your 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 teammates, uh, juniors or, or partners you're working with, um, clients, counterparties. It's really important to be able to, you know, move a position with your words, both in writing, um, um, and also in in terms of oral. Um, probably one thing that's that's often missed, I think, is I think is probably critical. It's just enjoying enjoying the subject matter i think this applies to um you know disciplines beyond real estate i think you know it's really important to 
to sort of like like what you do and like property um you know show it you know show a curiosity about property the market the industry um you know i just think that that makes you better better mm. at what you do it makes things easier to understand mm. um if you're spending you know a, a not not a small amount of time um you know working and therefore that like you say that sort of pattern and and actually liking what you do is, is absolutely key because otherwise it could lead to a very dull and demotivating existence yeah and we, look, we spend a lot of time talking to clients um on trans you know there's you know there's time there's time in the in the papers uh, there's time on the emails but there's also a lot of time speaking to clients taking instructions explaining concepts to clients and you know it's important you understand and enjoy uh, the subject matter to be able to to speak to speak fluently um, um, and knowledgeably about it. I don't know, if Cheryl, Sophia, if you've got anything uh, you feel um, yeah that would add to that. From a junior point of view, I think you know anybody um, wanting to become you know interested in becoming a real estate lawyer, perhaps who's doing a vacation placement or something like that. For me, it's like the keenness is probably the big the big skill because it's uh, you know as Amit say sort of understanding that sort of an, a genuine interest in in sort of real estate and what your clients do, and if you get that from that sort of keenness, willing to do um, whatever task it is, and you know probably the, most of the tasks you get to do on a vacation placement aren't exactly the the most interesting you know probably sort of um doing a deep bit of a deed schedule or something like that but knowing how that fits in what your role is that cog in the wheel to then go um go on to do the larger development and then hopefully yes you'll get to go to client meeting and you know meet some clients and go out on a site visit mm -hmm. which i think is yeah the sort of really exciting bit of it yeah, and I think that um, that awareness of how it all fits together is really important, isn't it? And Sophia, I'm, I'm really interested to hear from you from an, as a newly qualified solicitor. Um, you know, what would what would a, a typical day look like for you? I know you touched a little bit on um, the kind of work that you, you do and as to why you enjoy what you do now. But if you were to kind of just paint a bit of a picture as to um, typically... The kind of activities that you that you're involved in, um, you know, the interactions that you have with clients, and how does that play out in reality? I think as an NQ, my main stream of work is negotiating licenses. Like I mentioned before, licenses um, to carry out work, licenses to underlet, for example, and also leases for both retail and office. And so, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of client contacts, and so you would be seeing through your matter from beginning, so getting instructions, for example, preparing the first draft, getting the other side's um, details and sending that draft, negotiating it, and then completing it um, at the very end. So you have that level of responsibility um, to see the matter through from beginning to the end, which is, I find really um, rewarding because I know in other teams, for example, you'd only perhaps be assisting on ad hoc matters or a small proportion in a, in a transaction. But here you have this ownership, which is, I think works really well for those skills development and learning. And like I've mentioned before, um, this high level responsibility is also kind of partnered with great level of support as well that 
we receive on the team, which is really nice. You can go to your supervisor or anyone in the team um, for any support uh, during the day if you have any questions or if something that you don't quite understand and the client is asking you because you're still learning. So there's, like Amit has mentioned, there's so many concepts um, to learn and to understand um, as a junior. But also um, in a typical day, I mentioned you could perhaps even go to a site visit and see what you're working on again to to see that in reality is very interesting. Um, there's also opportunity to do uh, client secondments and to see kind of from uh, on the other end um, what your client business is like and to really understand that. I think it's, it's very helpful as well for juniors. Mm-hmm. And another interesting thing as well, what again was mentioned is that real estate work really does cuts across different sectors. So you have data centers, life sciences, renewables, logistics and I think to understand that again as a junior to see real estate not in terms of just um, office leases or retail leases but actually as part of these bigger sectors and to see how it kind of interacts again with different departments um, I think that's very exciting and maybe in the future even specializing within those sectors it's something that I will definitely be looking into. Fantastic. That's great. And you, you touched um, briefly on, I guess, the culture really of, of, of CMS there when you were talking, um, you know, the, the ability to be involved in a, a client level um, and, and the openness of, of the team, etc. I wonder, Cheryl, could you, could you tell us a little bit more about um, the, the culture of CMS and the type of firm it is? Uh, to start with, we are a very large firm, massive. <laughs> <laughs> and you would think with a massive firm that it can be um, you know, perhaps a little faceless or perhaps um, somewhere where it's easy for people to get lost or not feel valued. Um, and I would say that's absolutely not the case at CMS. It's a place where really the values are really sort of to try and enable everybody to be able to thrive mm-hmm. and to do their best. Um, so I think really, um, and especially when I talk about CMS, the, the um, UK firm of, of CMS, we sort of uh, sort of a slightly strange hybrid across across the world. But in terms of the uh, UK level, we've got really great uh, leadership uh, from Penelope and Stephen. Um, I mean, I'd probably say I think we're very lucky to have a female senior partner. We have had for a very long time. Um, and you know, I think she's an excellent leader. She has very interesting her story her story herself um, about you know how she you know became sort of the well eventually became a senior partner, but how she opened up uh, an office by herself and sort of really sort of put sort of stream you know well known for her um, her career in the energy team. Um, and then Stephen himself, I think is uh, is a managing partner. I mean, I've got such high respect for him to be absolutely honest um i think my husband probably feels i'm a bit jealousy to stop going on about <laughs> Stephen miller the whole time so <laughs> but he you know he really is very much uh, someone that commands a great lot of respect from everybody he's just so genuine mm. and his heart is just so big for the firm it's really led from above in terms of that and you know partners are definitely encouraged to show um good behaviors shall we say as in you know to be role models for other people and um you know dni here is yeah we call it you know 
D and I, you know, diversity and inclusion, but it's not just a tick box here. It really is. We are trying to make a difference. You know, the law is not the greatest of diverse areas, um, but, you know, the firm is doing really what it can and trying to trying to change that slow progress in many ways. Um, but it's something I think, well, certainly um, the three of us all find is, is a very important thing, I know, um, and actually the, the wider theme as well. Um, but I, I do I do actually think it's, it's, it's strange because it is of such a large firm and yet it hasn't lost that heart. And it, it, that's quite a strange thing, I think. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's excellent to hear, really, really heartening. And um, Sophia, um, I'd be particularly interested in hearing your journey because I think you've, you know, we've talked a little bit before we before we joined the, the podcast today a little bit about your journey. And I think it'd be really worth sharing that with, with our listeners um, because there really isn't just one type of lawyer, is it? To that, to that point about diversity and inclusion, you know, there are many different ways um, and, and, and a lot of what we do within Reimagine Law, obviously, is to is to demystify um, the, the legal sector, to try to open up more um, access to those that maybe uh, haven't had the opportunities um, as as others. So, you know, Sophia, maybe you could you could uh, give a little bit of a, a precy of, of how you came to um, find yourself at CMS. Yes, for sure. Um, I think when I was, I remember when I was 16 years old and I was looking to um, different career paths and I was thinking I want to become a lawyer. I thought, well, do I come from the right background? I had all these different myths, I, I guess, that I will now try to kind of demystify about the profession because I definitely thought, will I be able to become a lawyer with kind of the circumstances that I'm facing? And that's because um I came to this country when I was 12. I didn't speak a word of English. And you know, within years, I had to do my GCC exams and A-levels whilst my mum was um, working for minimum wage in um, warehouses doing heavy manual labour and I was in preschool meals. So it's not exactly kind of the, the, the circumstances that you think will kind of nurture somebody to become um, a lawyer. And my school couldn't really help me on that front. And so I just used Google to find if there's any advice or help out there. And I actually came across CMS scholarships. And this program was really the only one available at the time. So CMS was really front runner in terms of the social mobility um, because the scholarship um, allowed um, somebody to actually go to university. So it provided funding as well as a mentor and also a work experience placement. And so I, when I received it, it was really life changing for me because without it, I wouldn't be able to go to university. Um, and when I actually joined CMS, I was very much surprised by the culture and how um, in my teens I was very welcomed and I could talk about you know, my background. I wouldn't have to hide it or feel ashamed. Um, for example, I also met people who also came from a similar background to me. And, you know, that that felt that I had you know, mentors at the firm, you know, who have achieved incredible things and they were inspirational to me. And since then, I've been an active member of the CMS Social Mobility Network. And I've organized um, little projects where we have spoken to employees at CMS about their um, backgrounds, looking at social mobility in particular. 
um, for this project. And again, it was just wonderful to put a light on social mobility, to put a light on the challenges that people face and, you know, to celebrate the journeys, to celebrate the successes, because I think, um, and I'm guilty of that as well. If anyone comes from kind of disadvantaged background, sometimes you just, you just bear it. And you just think, well, you know, I haven't really done anything, in, you know, different. I just worked hard and, you know, just tried to be proactive and somehow find the right door to open and find the opportunity. But I think CMS definitely is a place where I feel very comfortable to be who I am. And I feel supported and encouraged to grow and develop the skills um, that I need to develop. And so I'm very, very fortunate to be in this position. Great. Fantastic. Thanks very much for sharing that, Sophia. I um, really appreciate that. And um, I guess just coming back to um, real estate um, as, 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 a, as a kind of final few elements to talk about, I'd be quite interested, and I'm sure our audience would as well, to just to understand a little bit more about what a, what, what a career path within um, real estate um, CMS would typically look like. Cheryl, maybe you could take that question. These days, there are lots of different routes uh, within it. So I think um, we have both trainee solicitors and also um, a solicitor apprentice in our team. Mm. Um, for those of you not um, familiar with the idea of solicitor apprentice, it's somebody who comes into the firm straight after doing A-levels um, and then they come out of the end of the sort of the the program, as it were, um, both being a fully qualified solicitor, but also having a law degree, the sort of the doing it while, while they're um, working, um, which is a really good alternative sort of route in. Um, trainee solicitors are a more normal route, I suppose, more common route, one that people have been used to for most, uh, most recently. Um, we then have a number of, um, we call them LSU, Legal Services Unit members, and these people, paralegals, a team of paralegals who will um, who will maybe do sort of first drafts of some uh, licenses, perhaps, or they might do low level documents like rent review memorandums. They might help us with some data rooms or with some deed scheduling, that sort of that sort of role. And a number of people from our LSU uh, team members have either um, gone through the Silex route to become a, a fully qualified solicitor or indeed just stay as a more of a senior paralegal role. That's also something that a number of people have done. In fact, we had a, a junior secretary um, from our team recently who is now do it being an, uh, is in part of the LSU. So there's lots of different ways you can sort of um, develop your careers then you become sort of junior lawyer we call it lawyer in our team and then it becomes an associate um, and then senior associate and then we have uh, our, we call them of councils so not particularly fond of that term it sounds just really weird but of council is like a very sort of senior manager um, somebody perhaps with a particular skill or a you know, very senior person within the business um, but for somebody for whom partnership isn't really their career option as it were or their career choice um, and then we have partners that, that means the owners of the business so Amit and I both own very minor small shares and <laughs> <laughs> in the in the business <laughs> um but yeah which is it's quite a sort of a different uh you know different ideas so we're not employees we're, we're partners 
or members of the LLP, and even uh, given our um, our legal status. Um, but yeah, so those are the sort of different roles. And then obviously we have um, we have a team of secretaries um, who are who are key and very much part of our team. Um, we also have a number of sort of support functions. There's people who work in business development or marketing, different. You know, different firms call it different things, business development and marketing. We have um, an innovation team. I actually head up our um, innovation sort of strategy from a real estate point of view, and I work very closely with the people in the innovation team. Um, that's not just looking at legal tech, but also looking at um, how we just engineer things slightly differently to be more efficient and provide a better service to our clients mm. really um and then um there are other people finance loads of people working in our finance team both those that we have direct contact and obviously a large team of people working um in the background who we never really get to see but you know we have those that work very directly with our team obviously then there's people working in hr as well, sort of a, lots of different roles, but all really working for real estate, um, mm -hmm. part of the business. Yeah, absolutely. And there's connections across all of those areas. And and I, I know from my own personal experience at CMS, it's a, a real firm approach, isn't it? So making mm -hmm. sure that you you, know, you come together as a as a as a team. I think when I when I started, there was only one real career path at a law firm, which was training to partner and really anything beyond that wasn't wasn't really sort of fully fully appreciated but you know what one observation about cms and i'm sure that applies to other firms is is that we you know we do embrace whatever you wherever you want to end up whatever you want to do here you know every, every role every pathway is as important um as another the other thing is there is a bit more flexibility to move sideways um to another discipline or, or create your own discipline or, or even sort of combine different areas. You know, we've got we've got people who who were lawyers who've moved into our legal counsel function or a tech role. Um, and actually, you know, being able to combine more than one discipline is is super helpful. Um, uh, both to yourself to create your own your own path uh, and also to the firm so so just just wanted to to add that thanks Amit. that's that's really really insightful thank you um this is you know i, I could i could talk to you for, for, for hours um unfortunately we're going to have to wrap it up soon um we've covered a lot of um areas here and i'm, I'm sure our audience is going to have been very fascinated by what they've heard um today um, I guess if we were to leave the, the, the podcast on a on a reflective note, let's say, um, what would what advice would you give your younger selves? If you know, looking back and when thinking about your career choices, what what one two things, those little gems, would you would you sort of say? Okay, actually, if I was going to do this again, this is what I'd say to myself. Maybe Annette, you could you could start off. Yeah, good question. Um... <laughs> putting my mind back a, a long time um i think probably just echoing a couple of things we've mentioned earlier um i talked about enjoying enjoying what you do i think that's super important you know you, you're doing this every day uh potentially for years so you know it's really important to to like what you do but it's really important to be good at what you do um if you like it um i think probably the other thing and i think sophia mentioned this earlier just keep an open mind 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't don't listen to the noise uh, about what people think you should do at a firm like CMS or a similar similar sort of law firm. You know, just just sort of follow follow your own mind. Um, use your use your experience and your judgment to make a decision rather than do what the expectation might be. Fantastic. That's great. And and Sophia, probably not not quite so uh, many years to look back to reflect, but um, be interested in, in any advice you would give. Yeah, for sure. I think if um, anyone who's listening, you know, if they um, have any challenges that they're experiencing in life or they feel at one point kind of disadvantaged in this journey to law that, you know, can be a lengthy process, um, I think just try and stay proactive, stay determined. The real key is just finding out what law firms like CMS do or what the particular um, department like real estate do. And to do that, you just need to take advantage of different opportunities at the university, like aspiring solicitors, like rare programs, CEO, and you can meet um, you know, professionals, you can meet partners and senior associates, talk to them and find out everything that, um, that you can. Um, because to have mentors, you know, to have networks um, is is really so incremental to your journey to law. And I've been really grateful to have amazing um, role models and mentors in my journey to help me to get where I am now. Um, so that would be my message. Thank you, Sophia. And finally, Cheryl, any any final words of wisdom? I'm not quite sure they're words of wisdom, and maybe that's her. Uh... some words anyway which is I suppose I've always felt that I've never really sort of made decisions in life I've sort of always just sort of gone with the flow and things have just not saying things have happened to me I've worked limbing hard for things to happen but I've just always sort of gone with the flow you know I've never sort of thought I never sort of set out to become a partner in the sixth biggest law firm in the world that's Mm -hmm. just sort of happened although with a limit a lot of hard work along the way um so i think i'd probably suggest to try and be a little bit more strategic and thinking about things rather than just sort of reactive and letting them happen to me if that makes sense mm-hmm. um because i think if you are a little bit more thoughtful about what what it is you want want to do you can probably plan out what that looks like and of course things might not go right along the way things didn't always go right for me along the way um they still don't on a daily basis that's you know let's face it you know um but you know you just sort of learn from that but I would I would love to be a little bit more strategic even now I just sort of find I'm sort of quite reactive to things rather than thinking oh yes I must do this this and this yeah great thank you very much that's great and three three very um um, useful pieces of advice there and um I've really, really enjoyed uh, talking to each of you and finding out a lot more about uh, real estate law, a lot more about obviously CMF and your own personal journey. So thank you very much for sharing um, and uh, really great to spend the time with you. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks for hosting. 